Welcome in, welcome in. Uh, this is going to be a Friday episode of All Canadian, but CF Perspective Podcast in general, as we have Marshall Ferguson, boots on the ground in Edmonton. Wow, what a big us. get. Congrats, guys. Wow. <laughs> TSN play-by-play. We'll, we'll do the full uh, Bruce Buffer <laughs> intro here in a second. But uh, Marshall is on the ground at the Combine, uh, witnessed all of the testing that went on yesterday. Uh, well, earlier today, as we record this in the umpteenth hour of the evening, Marshall, how's Edmonton treating you? Uh, it's good. I'm currently, I apologize if you can hear the kettle, which by the way, I had to ask room service to bring me a kettle because I'm now a veteran of traveling for CFL work. And I know that I like to have my, my favorite type of coffee. So I now fly across the country with my own unopened bag of ground coffee and like this little apparatus that I could put filters into and pour my own coffee and then boil my own water and then make it like a slow drip coffee in my room. So, uh, but to, right now I'm having a green tea because uh, I haven't talked to anybody for about three months since the Grey Cup ended. I've just <laughs> been like sitting in the off season, like reading books and like playing basketball and shooting plastic arrows with my son. And then uh, <laughs> I, I spent eight hours uh talking to people from around the league today just like wandering around because we didn't have a live stream so i was i was like on the ground in edmonton and i was like so i'm here and i'm watching things and usually in my job i'm watching things and i'm talking about them as they're happening but i have nobody to talk to today and i wasn't going to go up to dave dickinson and be like here comes jonathan rosary from the university of alberta as he's a slogger student like so I was just kind of like awkwardly walking around and talking to people all day, but it was great. It was super nice to see everybody in the league all back together again and talking about football. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So we started out with the forties uh, in the bench. Now we moved into the field drills. Uh, so it's a prime TV time uh, in Ontario when you guys are doing all the forties and stuff. Uh, but with that being said, Marshall, the initial forties, like, anyone stand out to you You're like wow did not expect um, you to jump that high or yeah so the the first things that we actually did for the day was the vert and oh uh, sorry sorry that's the... what i meant that's what i meant the vert yeah yes so um, <laughs> i said jumping and said 40 brilliant no me. no it's all good it's all good so <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that james basiligo was going to jump like that from waterloo like he ended up putting up a 39.5 so that was pretty impressive um the only guys who eclipsed 40 were jake kelly and charlie ringland and when it got announced over the microphone as like 40 inches <laughs> being like all of the other athletes in the room and even like the scouts and gms were just they gave like the audible like jesus oh, like whoa <laughs> because 40 inches like i don't think we should ever take for granted how ridiculous 40 inch verticals are or anything close to it really like anything 35 plus to me is pretty exceptional and once I punch into the chart, I think I'll probably see that Jake Kelly is like, you know, <clears throat> had one of those great all-time kind of workouts for the most part alongside Charlie Ringland and, and Jacob Taylor. So I think the three of them, like overall athletically, they were pretty good. But there were a couple of um, of interesting jumps that I didn't really see coming. And one of them was Thomas Bertrand Houdon from Delaware mm-hmm. State, like at running back because he's 227 pounds like to me the yep. vert is always just if you if you weigh a lot then I don't expect a lot from you in the vert because 
that's just not how science works. Like <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to do that. But he at 227, he was able to get up 36 and a half inches, which is as high as Gabriel Apiakubi from York did, who is 157 pounds. Like they had the same vert, and there's like a 70 pound difference between those two dudes. So um, yeah, that was one that jumped out to me, I think, just in terms of having a thick running back. And then not quite the same numbers, but, you know, relative to everybody that they were jumping against in their positional group, Aiden John, I think, legitimately has made himself, like... A draft <laughs> he's pick. Himself, yeah, he's made himself into a draft pick. And I think it, like, at worst, as it stands right now, after testing at the regional and after testing at the national, he's at worst, like, a mid to late pick. And I think he can only help himself here going forward because it's one of those kind of like charming things where if he is, uh, if, if he doesn't play great because he's raw, which I've heard from, from multiple people, they expect him to look raw and to look a little bit out of place in the next couple of days in practice. You guys know how coaches are going to view that. They're mm-hmm. just going to be like, Oh, he's raw, but I can fix Uber it. athlete. I can take care of it. Just yeah. give him, give him to me yeah. for a year and we'll see where he ends up. Exactly. So I, I think he's helped himself because if he's if he's not raw, then he's going to be like a you know top three four round pick. If he's super raw, he's still going to be somewhere like four five six seven somewhere in there. Um, but overall, I I think like he, I, I bring him up because of his vert. Like as a defensive lineman, he had the top D line jump that um, was just ahead of like Cordy Moore. Uh, but I mean, actually, they tied at thirty five. Uh, 35 inch verts for both of them, which again, lakes like, weigh in like 260 something, 264, <laughs> which was crazy. Yeah, 264 too. And, and Aiden John's in at 248. So those are big dudes, man. Like they're both 6'3, 250 plus, and they're jumping 35 inches. So it's pretty cool. What was yeah. like the uh, the tweet you sent us yesterday? I mean, your stock can either go up or down at the CFL combine. Yeah, Aiden, oh, yeah. John's, Aiden John's done it twice now, though. So I think definitely stock up on him. Well, this just full transparency on this. I we have our own CFP group chat, and it's usually just me being salty about things that make me laugh. And I uh, I sent Wade and Connor uh, yesterday a tweet from the Riders media availability. It just said like Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson are speaking to the media. They say that at the combine, an athlete's stock can both go up and, or go down. And I was like, oh. it's like the ultimate poll quote <laughs> that you want to use in your article. You get like this. I'm guessing like 25 plus minutes of media availability. And the best quote you can find is, you know, they can help themselves and they can also lose some money here today. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like the tweets that I see day one of CFL training camp every year that are like head coach of blank team is speaking to the media. Now he right. says the team is looking solid, but hoping to improve. And I'm like, yeah, that should be your hope on day one of training camp. That makes sense. Lots of room for improvement after day one of training camp, says coach, after his team has six months of absences. Uh, I want to ask you about another D lineman, Quinton Sagan. I I saw the weigh-ins last night, and I'm like, okay, this can get really interesting really fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, At 271, I was like, if he comes out and just has a solid day all around, he's really setting himself up for top-round draft status, I want to say. He's getting a lot of love. He came out 19 reps, 508.40, 30-inch vert. I just thought he just checked each box as he went through the day today. Yeah, I think he was uh, not spectacular, but I also don't think that that was the expectation from him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody thought that he was going to come out and, like, you know, break records in every single test. I just, I think that he was 
someone that rightfully so has a decent amount of interest in his game. And he has obviously like a very appealing body type because when you're talking about, like you say, the 6'2 and 3'8, 271, 19 on bench is okay, good. You've got like the base strength that they can work with. Um, 5'3 in the 40, a little bit slower than some of the other defensive linemen. Like I think he was the second slowest defensive lineman in terms of the 40 yard dash. But again, it's like, when you're at 271, how often are you going to be asked to turn and run for 40 yards? I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, being able to go 30-inch vert, impressive, athletic. Like, his broad was not far off from many of the other guys that were there. So I don't think that he – I don't think he really, like, launched himself forward in the draft discussion in the way that I think Aiden John has done from, like, mm-hmm. off the radar to, okay, you're in a better position, or the way that Jay Kelly has already gone from – uh, you know, oh, you're a Bishop's defensive back who tests really well into, oh, okay, this, like, you might have the range of, you know, uh, not necessarily the exact same level, but, um, you know, Marc-Antoine Ducroix, that type of, okay, you've got that type of athleticism, like, you're in, you're in that region of athleticism, okay, well, we saw what that looks like in terms of ranginess at free safety in the CFL this past year, now, let's see what it could mean throughout the week of practice, so, yeah, Sagan, I think, is um, <laughs> he's an interesting cat. He's got the crazy hair. He's got the personality. Uh, he's got the big body, and he comes from you know Charleston Southern, which is a, a unique place as well. So he'll be, I'm sure, of discussion. But I, at this point, very early on, my gut instinct on him is that he's like he's not Deontay Knight, right? He's not going to be prioritized as like a, I would say at this point, like a an early second round pick, the way that Deontay fell last year in the draft to Toronto. Um, for me, he'd be like a middle second pick as like a lock. Um, but again, that really d- comes down to, I think, what the O-line and D-line groups end up shaking out as in this draft, which I, I'm having a hard time getting my finger on the pulse of what line play is going to look like in this draft. Because we know statistically that there's going to be like two thirds of the players taken in the first round are typically in the trenches. And I'm trying to figure out who those two thirds like who those six players are going to be right now. Um, and it's tough. It's tough. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any skill position players that are bullying linemen out of those spots, but I also know that it's very much up for discussion right now, who those six or seven names are going to be. Um, does Edmonton trade back or trade up? Hmm. Are you reading a listener question or are you reading your own notes and you can't? No, no, I'm reading, I'm reading the draft order and looking at (laughs) where Chris Jones could land an NCAA versatile defensive lineman in the middle of the second round (laughs) because Uh, they don't have an early second round pick. They just have the territorial. And I don't think that their territory covers Windsor. Oh, by the way, I found this out today. Um, Jesse Lucchetta apparently was born in Edmonton. And then moved to Ottawa, so he technically should have been Edmonton's territorial selection last year. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Which I didn't know at the time, and apparently nobody really did. And then in post, we were all just kind of like, eh, "Whatever, the draft's done now, so I guess we can just move <laughs> on with their day." But yeah, I that that uh, somebody told me that today when I was wandering around where we were talking about territorial selections, and I was just like, "Wow, that certainly would have changed things because like now you don't have Shackle going." <laughs> yeah. like like i know he went to calgary and whatever but it's like maybe that would have pushed him further back down the board or maybe like edmonton would have gone somewhere different and it would have changed what Ottawa was was doing and anyways 
these are the interesting things that just like float around at, at combines and East West balls where people are having conversations and you're like, huh, that draft could have looked really different if there would have been one thing different there. But um, yeah, I mean, I could totally see Edmonton just, he, he, this is not a slight to, to Sagan, but he, in a weird way, he's just like a more athletic Tarek Lachance to me. If that rings a bell for you guys. There was like a Winnipeg Rifles, and I think he was with the Manitoba Bisons for a while. And and he was like, he played some fullback, but he was a D lineman. But he just like had the had the big crazy hair and was like a cool body type. And he was long, and he had some upper body strength. And then I I don't know. I have a hard time getting a read on those kind of. If I see Aiden John, and I'm like, oh, edge rusher. Okay, good. Like I had somebody ask me today, like who, like what is Lake, like Lake Cordy Moore? What is he? And my comparable for him just on the spot was that I think he's a slightly less athletic, slightly thicker Justin Capicotti. Yeah. Because I was like, I, I see him as having that kind of like push off the edge. But yeah, it's it's tough to find a, a like a realistic comp for Sagan, though. But I'm sure Chris Jones will be interested somewhere. <laughs> well, the thing is like 271 with the athleticism he has, like he's not blowing people off on a speed rush, but like... He could control an edge, but you also could slice him into three tack times. I don't know. I just think with Chris Jones, the more you can do, the more yeah. likely he's going to just start salivating over you. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with Sagan. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't disagree. I, I think it's it's a like Jones's thing is always going to be if you can only do one thing for me and you can no longer deliver on that one thing, then I don't need you. And then he'll just trade you the next day. Yeah. <laughs> trade <Like>, so fast. <laughs> he, uh, so he actually told me a story today, and I don't want to mention the player's name, but because they still play for Edmonton. But he mentioned a player that during training camp last year, he was just like, and again, I'm not going to say if it's Canadian, American, otherwise, but a player on Edmonton that Chris Jones told me today, he was ready to trade him like day three of training camp last year. And then day four, the dude showed up and just started making every play imaginable. And they were like, oh, I'm glad we didn't trade him. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> but like, that's what goes through his head is like every three days, he's constantly asking himself, should this person be here or not? And it's. Like, that's how fast you can get let go in, in this league. But also, like, when Jones is the guy making the decisions on those things is because they don't have time to waste, man. They're trying to rebuild a roster. So, like, even if he does like a big body like Sagan and he brings him in, if Sagan isn't producing by, like, day five, you can just cut him. Like, he, he doesn't care. And, I mean, it's smart, right? Like, smart people move off mistakes. And if you identify it early, what's the sense in holding on? And if he identifies it before other people do, and he can get a higher return than expected. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, want to talk to you about Clark Barnes? Yeah, another guy that I think just came in, just kept checking off boxes one by one today. Uh, obviously, the biggest thing with Clark is injuries. Right, missed most of this year, a uh, few games the year before. Electric, right? Touches the ball and score from anywhere, kind of player. Yeah, I was lucky to go see Connor McDavid uh, on. Uh, Wednesday evening, I ended up going over and seeing the the game against the uh, the Coyotes uh, here in Edmonton, and it was not exactly the same as Clark Barnes, but that in that vein of person touches ball slash puck, and immediately you just hold your breath because you're like something fun is going to happen, and 
it even watching him run his like his L drill, his three cone today, I was like, I just want to watch you run routes. Like I just want to see him running around against coverage or like settling in between zones or I I just think he's going to be a lot of fun for the remainder of the week. So uh, I'm looking forward to see him actually put it together and, and play a little bit of football here because yeah, like you're saying, missing games and not having as much film as other guys is, is unfortunate, but I also have, you know, covered enough of these to know that they're not going to hold injuries against him necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just needs to take maybe better care of his body and be more aware of things or train a little bit differently, but yeah, second fastest forty yard dash, thirty nine inch vertical, huge broad jump, seven one three three cone. I think that's around like Nick Howlett's from yeah. his combine, and Nick Howlett was like unreal three cone. Everyone kind of went, "Oh wait, what?" Yeah, and like and, and like there were a bunch of guys that were quick. I mean, like his Guelph teammate Harrison Bagiogo today was six point eight seven on the th- on the three cone, and <laughs> but but again, the DBs. I just I need to reinforce this for everybody, like. You see seven one three in the three cone, and if you have no reference point for like what's a lead or what's good, like like a seven second three cone is like pretty legit. And just because Jake Kelly from Bishops, the defensive back, or Harrison Bagiogo, just because they're freaks doesn't make Clark Barnes less of a freak. It just yeah. means that there's a bunch of freaks running around testing really well. And and like Giroy Simon said to me today that there was a lot of guys that were just testing like crazy. Um, everywhere he was going he was just walking around and like basically with his stopwatch g-roy would like walk up to the 40 and time one and be like it's pretty good and then he would like walk to the shuttle and time a random like a person and be like oh man that's a good time and he was like just like walking in circles being like a lot of these guys are putting down pretty good numbers so uh yeah clark was that but i'm i'm just really excited to see him play football because i i don't think we had any doubt in his athleticism no or the fact that he would test well and now i just want to see him apply that because uh I, man i think he this is this might be a little bit too brash but like i think he might be the most intriguing person in the draft like the most intriguing player we've said he's the well outside of obviously chase brown we have said clark barnes is the best offensive player in the draft like pure yeah. weapon wise uh, i know there's jared wayne from Pitt, but Connor and i have said like you can i mean clark barnes in east west bowl last year caught like a five-yard pass and just opposite field gone like that's just the level of playmaking he brings it's just he was not on the field for last season yeah and they also didn't have a quarterback to throw a 10-yard dig (laughs) or out so it uh is unfortunate for him but like he is that electric and i i think that this new format is really gonna showcase the old format would have as well but to see it day over day with clark barnes upcoming in the practices i think is going to be a huge plus for him yeah like if he were doing the it's a good point by you way because if he were doing the old format we would be judging him off of you know five to ten reps total like big picture kind of mm-hmm. stuff right where you're like oh he won that one you know that proves blank there's going to be so much more film available on him by the end of this that again i i think what i'm excited for because there's so much actual football being played which is its whole own thing. I'm sure we could just discuss that as well. Like the, the decision-making of like how guys decide they want to be involved in stuff uh, when there's so much physicality and so much on field, but is like, he could really make a case for himself with this setup because there's going to be such so many opportunities, but it could also be, you know, if somebody comes out who may be tested well and they just show that they are not up to par 
on like football acumen with the guys that are around them. It's really going to show, I think over a three day haul of practices and like the install is not going to be really heavy in terms of system stuff. I was talking to people today. They're like, we're basically going to run like, you know, 12 plays. Um, (laughs) And and there's going to be a lot of times where like the offense is just going to have, you know, basically like a card with the routes drawn on it. Like you're on scout team and they're, they're basically going to go up and hold it in the huddle and be like, what position are you? Cool. Go run that route. Quarterback yeah. one to two to three. Go go get it. Um, and so they're they're gonna just kind of like make it up on the fly, see how guys adjust, make sure everybody gets lined up properly, and then just play football. Um, which is I think a really good way to see who can adapt on the fly and who can also figure things out quickly and play fast. Because all these testing numbers we're talking about is great, but if you can't play fast and if your brain can't process things and play fast at the same time, then like testing is great. It doesn't actually mean anything if you can't play. Mm-hmm. Connor, I know you're itching to ask some questions about the DBs because these guys are all freaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say your comment biases here, right? But no, I, I am. Cause like, you know, we're talking about these playmakers, these Clark, Clark Barnes type receivers, but like the back end's got a job to do too. And like yeah. they tested again, like, like Officer you just Chuck? said, playing playing football is one thing, but like these dudes tested ridiculously today. It looks like like on paper anyways, cause I didn't get to see anything, but um, it looks like the DVs were one of the stronger groups out there. They today. are, they are. So this is something that I dug into. Um, and I, I, I'm probably going to like hammer this point into the ground by the time that we get to the actual draft show on TSN, but I'm just, I'm so intrigued by this. I got to pull this up real quick so that I don't get my own information wrong. Cause otherwise I'll be angry at myself, but the the base on this is that like I'm always interested in the trends right of like where the draft is going what positional groups are being represented and last year there was 19 defensive backs that were selected in the 2022 CFL draft the 10 year average for how many defensive backs get taken is 11 there were 19 taken in last year's draft okay so there were eight more defensive backs taken last year than the 10 year average that should tell you that like, wow, like defensive backs, that's crazy. We're, we're producing so many good ones, right? It's not really the case because I also looked up at the position that they were drafted in and defensive backs were drafted on average 38th overall in 2013 to 2022. Last year, they were drafted on average 43rd overall. That's five spots lower than the 10-year average. So essentially last year there was eight more defensive backs that got drafted in the CFL, but they were being drafted lower than their average over the last 10 years, which means there was just a lot of value picks, right? There wasn't a lot of top end guys. I think this year's defensive back group, and this is why I bring this all up to bring it full circle, is this year's group is not going to be as deep. I don't think we're going to see 19 defensive backs getting drafted this year, but I do think we're going to see three or four guys go in the top 25. Uh, and I maybe even top 20, like, again, we'll see what it shakes out as, you know, when I do my first mock draft, I'm going to be hard pressed to figure out where to slot these guys. But for me, it's like Baggy Baggy Yogo, Yogo, Jake, Baggy Yogo, Jake Kelly, Jacob Taylor, and, uh, Charlie Ringland and Charlie, Chuck, (laughs) Chuck. Chuck. Um, but to me, those four, if like, (laughs) If one of those four slips into like the 30s, somebody's going to get a steal. And if a team sets up their like their big board or their positional need board or whatever, 
and they don't just realize that those are four of the best players in the entire draft, then I think they're just doing their board wrong. I think they should just like, I'm not saying prioritize them over all, all your needs. What I am saying is if you get to a point where it's like, Hey, should we take blank or should we take one of these DBs? And we have like the 23rd overall pick or something. It's like, that's a pretty damn good group. And I, I actually compare it in my mind to the year where uh, there was Malik Richards out of Mount a Chris Sosikusi from Queens, and then some kid named Curly Gittins Jr. from Laurier. And (laughs) was those K on a part of that draft too? Or was he the year after? Uh, He might have been. Actually, you know what? Was Malik Richards in that one? Maybe I was just throwing him into wrong. I don't know. But anyways, there was, I remember covering a combine where we had three or four receivers that reminded me of this combine when it comes to defensive backs. And it was kind of like, you do your best guess and you do your research and your work to figure out which one you want to take. But there's pretty much a guarantee that at least one of these four guys is going to be really good and probably play for like eight to 10 years for your team, you know, if, if or at least in the league, depending on what happens in free agency or trades or all the rest. But so I just, yeah, I think they're a really, really special group. And I think that there's more top end talent from DBs this year. The body types to me are insane. So long. We, we gushed over Charlie Ring in the last two years because yeah. he measured in at six foot flat. You see him in person. And you've been walking around with him all day. Like, he does not look six foot flat. Like, his arms, I swear to God, he no. itches his knees standing up straight. Yeah. And for me, the thing with him, like, Dwayne Ford, I hung out with him most of the day today. We were kind of watching it all together. And, and Dwayne tapped me on the shoulder and said, I really like, I, I like this guy. And I was like, why? What do you like about him? He goes, because he's not going to run like a 4 3, but, but he can stick with any receiver while running like a four five four six four seven because he'll just catch up at the last second because he's just his recovery rate is so good and to that point like he doesn't have many interceptions but he has a ton of pass breakups no and when we talked Connor and I have talked about this when you watch his tape he's always at the ball yeah like the ball could be thrown to the hash and he'll he'll range his way over make make a play on the receiver or the ball or he'll fly down and hit hit a short route and stop something before the sticks like he just always finds a way to get there. And it's like he ran four, five, nine, which is a good time. Right. Um, yeah. Really good time to have. But he just looks like he's one of the gliding runners where you just don't seem like he's moving that fast. And all of a sudden you're like, dude, what the hell? Like, where'd you come from? Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, how'd, uh, how'd the quarterbacks look? The underclassmen and Man. Olivier Wah. <laughs> Why the hell did I not know that Olivier Wah is so small? Yeah, the 160. I was looking, okay, when I was making the graphics, I was like, he looks a lot skinnier than he did at the Combine <laughs> last year. I don't know why I didn't remember him as being that that small, but that dude is really small, like really small. And I, I was kind of bummed out by it the same way that I was when Noah Picton went through the Combine process. And I was like, oh, shit, man, you're that small? Come on. <laughs> like like I just because I because I love watching them and I love their game and I love what they do and I love how productive they are and the way they throw it and all the rest and then I'm like just be bigger like if we if you could just be bigger then maybe we could have a chance to like actually make something happen here like Dave Dickinson came over to me today and, and he was like Marshall what's going on in the Canadian quarterback world and I was like not a lot Dave I kind of think we might have had our one year of fun like where we were able to get like O'Connor and work on the field and Trey Ford ripping around and all these. And I'm like, 
I don't know, man. There might be a couple of lean years here until we get back to having that kind of fun when uh, when Rourke inevitably comes back to the CFL and we get some other new guys in. But yeah, I it kind of bummed me out that why is that small? Um, I was really surprised how strong Miracle was. Holy, I'm, yeah. I'm not. The guys, say, I was the guys a freak athlete. That one. Yeah, like he's been he's I, been a freaky athlete since he was in like grade ten. Is he was a he's a uh, Grenadiers guy, right? Being he's like Belleville area, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. Tandanaga, oh, Tandanaga, yeah. <laughs> um, Napanee, Tandanaga, Belleville, one of, yeah. in the area west of Kingston. But uh, he's always been freaky athlete. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, he was very very strong. I didn't really see that coming. And then uh, <laughs> the Alberta, the Alberta quarterback, the underclassman they had coming into the throw. Just seemed like he was kind of trying to stay out of the way today. Like he he was kind of like quick onto the stage, no bench reps. That's fine. I'll just get out of the way. Sorry for getting in your way, everybody. He like, hit he one. Just, he got one. Yeah, but he <laughs> but he was very much just like, yep, okay, I'll just get out of the way. And then it was like, you know, he's doing his shuttle drill and he would just like get down, no fanfare, do his shuttle, get out of the way. Okay, I'll just move over here. You guys keep going on with your day. Kind of it was just it was a funny dynamic where it was like very obvious that he was just trying to get out of the way as much as possible because he's just enjoying the experience. So, um, but no, I, I just hope they put the receivers in good positions as the week goes on. Cause I would hate to see this much talent at receiver and defensive back be wasted by like ball, bad ball placement or bad timing. And, you know, we end up getting a situation like at the regional combine this year where there was no completions for like 10 minutes straight where every ball was just like, <laughs> being duffed into the turf and nobody had any chemistry whatsoever and you're like what are we learning here if there's nobody who's getting hit in the hands by a football you know where's trey ford to come out in sweats when you need him right you know he was there <laughs> yeah i mean and he threw at the ub pro day he should just be throwing at this year's combine as well why not yeah uh it's a different topic i i had a bone kenny, to pick with by Connor. the way kenny lawler was here today just like walking around or like getting involved I don't know if he still lives in Edmonton right now or whatnot, but he was wearing a Winnipeg Blue Bombers jacket and he was just hanging out on the field. Maybe maybe his kids are in like school or something. He's just waiting for the year end to move them. Uh, yeah, it was just interesting. I'm like sitting there watching the, the bench press go on. I tapped Wayne on the shoulder. I'm like, is that Kenny Lawler up there in the window at Commonwealth? He's like, I don't think so. He looks too small. And then sure enough, he came downstairs and I'm like, yeah, that's. That's one of the I'm like, that's one of the best receivers in the Canadian Football League, just wandering around, like coming to see the prospects. I was like, that's kind of cool. But like Aaron Grimes was was hanging out. Jezrin Antwi from the Montreal Alouettes was helping yeah. with the with the Vertex today, um, as part of the CFL Players Association, helping out. And then uh who else was there that I saw hanging out? Uh Solomon Elamimian's in with the PA, uh going into the Hall of Fame, of course, and then Adam Big Hill. Uh, is roaming around here as well and i think he's they're gonna come and talk to some of the guys as well and yeah so calvin mccarty i know i saw on the cfl social channel he was given a, a talk to the players as well so oh yeah last yeah. two nights wednesday night i guess yeah yeah so it was they they got a lot of um like guys from the past and guys from the current kind of kicking around with the prospects which i don't know if the prospects actually realize how cool that is but <laughs> they'll probably look back on it and be like man that's pretty sweet that we had all those people kind of as like a you know, as part of the experience when they're being evaluated. I think the linebacker group realizes they have Alabamian and Big Hill. <laughs> they should. Just like watching them over the yeah. shoulder. I'd be 
scared shitless. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's Team 100 from the BC Lions prime days. And uh, considering the fact that Jordan Williams has been moved and Ben Vladek looks like he's going to be the starting middle linebacker in BC, I would suggest that maybe there would be a linebacker or two from this draft that might be getting selected by the BC Lions to back up Ben Vladek, perhaps. So, uh, James? <laughs> yeah, James Peters. Uh, all right, Connor, I got one more guy that I want to ask about, and you know where I'm going with this, but then I, I know that you have a couple guys left. Marshall, Adam Williams is my guy. Yeah. Talk to me about him. Uh, how's he, how's he look walking around with, like, other guys? Because I know he's, like, a very, like, he's just, he's there. He's a very fun personality, <laughs> but I feel like he can be, like, quiet at times. Yeah, I, um... I actually appreciated it a lot. I watched him do his shuttle in his three cone today. And on the shuttle, he got called for like a violation of like not reaching the line like two or three times in a row. And it didn't phase him at all. Like he, they would just be like fault. And they would just kind of like stop without saying anything or asking or for clarification. He just like walked back into the center line and just started again. <laughs> he was just like, he seemed like he was very calm, just like, whatever, I'm just going to get this done eventually. So it's, it's fine. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, first thing that jumped out to me, and I know I said this to you about like Jacob Taylor before we popped on here, but the word for Adam Williams is just like thick, like <laughs> from shoulders to front of chest to between calves. the shoulder blades. It's just like a box. Marshall, his calves, I swear to God, are like iron plates in the back of each one. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I, I, I hope that he shows really well when they start going through the individual drills because. Um, I think of the, the problem a lot of the time in the CFL draft when it comes to the backs is that it feels like we're either getting like undersized quick running backs who don't have a chance in hell of playing consistently in the CFL because they can't take the beating of the guys that are going to be hitting them. Mm. Or we have like slightly overweight fullbacks who can't move worth the damn and you have to try and squeeze every ounce of their ability out of them to play on special teams. And it's like, even when I, when you're going through the history of backs, and I know this because I was separating out fullbacks from running backs on my charts today, because I, I we have enough fullbacks that are actually fullbacks being invited to combines that I had to separate it. Because I'm like, yeah, the we invitation, we had, you had Taylor Stocky as a running back. I'm like, oh, we interviewed no. him the next week. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. And I, and I know that, but like, I, I've always yeah. put the fullbacks and the running backs together, but we have enough fullbacks on, on those charts now for CFB data that like, I, I feel very okay sectioning them off into fullbacks. So, um, but it's always just like an undersized running back or a sloppy fullback. And to me, Adam is, he's not Adam Aboye, but he's that kind of where you, you look at him and you're like, oh yeah, you could just be a running back. Like you're, you're not undersized. You're thick. You can take some hits. You got a strong lower body. You bounce off contact from the stuff that I've seen on film of them. And it's like, yeah, that's that's legit. And I think for me, that's kind of the thing of the testing day when people ask about like, what's what's the power of the testing day? What's the purpose? Is that like Philip Grohovic from Western looked like a legitimate CFL player today. Mm -hmm. Moved well, benched highest. Like that, that looks like a lineman. I've seen enough first and second round linemen to know what a first and second round lineman looks like in person. I would say the same thing for Adam. Like he looked like not necessarily a first or second round running back because running backs are not no. <laughs> expected in terms of draft positioning, but I'd have a hard time imagining him not being likely one of the first off the board 
maybe like mid to late 20s if he plays well over the next couple of days because I think he, sh- he showed well in the testing today. Yeah, and you mix in the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, you mix in all of the like bounce-off tackles, like steady yeah. runner, strong, and then you mix in all of a sudden like, oh, wait, you have the twitch ability to just like jump over a man in the middle of a play and continue going and keep bouncing off tackles. Like that to me is where Adam Williams, like that's where he takes the separation to the next level. He's not just this like run, run, run. Like he shows he can get out in the pass game. He shows he can make guys miss in a variety of ways, whether it is running through you, around you or over you. Yeah. 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 And I, again, in this running back group, I think it'll power, be power, power, power. And then Adam, who is power with extra juice. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think that's where he's going to have to separate himself is like a little bit of that flash once in a while. Um, because like you say, like, I guess Bertrand Hudon that I mentioned earlier, like with his he's vert, power. <laughs> yeah, but like with, with his vert at 227, I do wonder whether or not he's going to have some pop because his his 40, I believe he was 471, it says. Here. Yeah, so fast as the running back group. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Like Keon Edwards obviously had a really tough day, but between Adam and, and Thomas Bertrand Hudon, I think that's that's the two that feel um most appealing to me. And then I think Bertrand Beaulieu from Montreal is just like he's, he waited at 237. Like that he's, kind he's, of feels- he's just a thick, like he's a thick, but not like the Jake Taylor and Adam Williams thick. Like he's just like a big human being. Yeah, just six ones. Yeah. Like, like he is, I almost got ran over by him uh, at what was it, the <laughs> national semifinal when I was on the sidelines in Montreal. Oh yeah, he got pushed out of bounds towards me. I almost got trucked by him. I was like, oh, let's jump out of the way here. I don't need that. <laughs> but like he's four inches taller than both Keon Edwards and Adam Williams. Four inches is not insignificant when you're talking running backs. Like that's a totally different animal. So mm-hmm. I, I would assume that teams would be looking at him as being uh, like essentially primary fullback with maybe some running back you know if you know your running back gets hurt he has the ability to do that but um wait there's a team in quebec that likes to draft french players <laughs> that now has Man. an affinity for fullbacks with their new offensive coordinator Marshall. i, I saw a presser <laughs> today from jason moss where he said we expect cody fajardo to hit the ground running because he already knows the system and i was like uh, so what you're inferring is that it's going to be the same system that was in use in Saskatchewan with three fullbacks and two running backs and two yes. tight ends. And, and I was like, okay, sure, go ahead. That's fine. We're going to coverage out for him on sideline <laughs> again this year. Marsh, they just, they're just trying to soak in everyone into the box so that Gino has a true – oh, wait, Gino, he left. Uh, he left for Edmonton. Oh, uh, they can't even have that number one on the outside to get <laughs> tight coverage. Tyson Philpot. No, but they're going to be able to get it to Jake Winnick. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Touchdown, Jake. Oh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> that, I honestly, that Montreal team, I'm just going to say it right now, until I'm proven otherwise, kind of dreading tracking all of their snaps because <laughs> Jason Moss is going to throw 5 billion formations and personnel groupings at me to try and track. And I'm like, there's, I guarantee by like before August long weekend, I'm going to have a heart to heart with Jason while watching film of like week seven, where I'm just going to pause the film and go, Moss, I need you to stop. 
like for my mental health. I need you to just like just go four by one with a five receiver set and just play football. That'd be great. Can you just go? Just just give me five some R, base every now 32. and again. <laughs> it's part of the reason why I love the BC Lions so much last year is that they only ran two personnel packages. Five receivers, one back, or four receivers, one fullback, one running back. They were either in 501 or 411 every single snap of the game. Like they would even stay in 411 when they were in their quarterback sneak package. They would go spread and run the sneak. And I was like, this is the easiest thing ever to track. I don't have to worry about any of this like craziness. But then Saskatchewan would make up for it. So yeah, Montreal, they might draft all of the 230 pound running backs in this draft and just hope that one of them works out. <laughs> There we go. If you are a running back, add a couple extra pounds. You too could be a Montreal Alouette. All right, Connor, I know you got more guys. Uh, yeah, well, I got a school actually more so than guys, but like I want to like we were talking about Aiden John earlier. I'm going to circle back to his school because it looked like a few of the guys on St. Mary's had some really interesting days to say the least. Like Jason States McLean had a pretty good day. And yep. then uh, their tight end came out of nowhere too. Like Sebastian Howard, he's like six four. He jumped pretty well. He moved pretty well. Like so, Sebastian Howard. So I was hanging out with with Aaron Craig, who's their strength and conditioning coordinator, who's on the ground in Edmonton, and uh, she was helping her guys get through all the testing, which was awesome to have that in person. But I I was standing behind Sebastian Howard today, and he turned around, and it's funny because I like I like when players honestly like when they listen to this podcast. Or when they read the articles or the things that we put out, like that's cool. That's I'll, I will never view that as them like reading their own press clippings or however like old school mentality coaches and people want to think about that of like, oh, your ego must be so big to care about hearing your name. I think that's human. I think especially in in this age where there's so much content that's available to search out what people are saying about you is totally normal. But Sebastian Howard today, as I'm standing behind him, he turns around and like taps me on the leg. And he's like, you think I'm lanky, eh? And I was like, do you not think you're lanky? Like, look <laughs> at you. <laughs> I, I just said to him, I'm like, what do you think you are? And he was like, well, yeah, you know, I guess. Like, what? And I, I was like, no, but yeah, you are, you're super, super, super lanky. But he's also, man, he is, he's such an interesting body type. I told him, I'm like, I don't know why they keep listing you as a tight end. Because. 6'5", like, oh, yeah. 220. Yeah, but I'm like, but we don't like have that in CFL. I was he goes plays R, but he yeah, but he goes well. Like they keep calling me tight end because apparently that's where they want me to play. And I was like, but we don't have like permanent tight end sets. And so I was like, I just want you as an like an interior slot back. And here's what he told me: he for a long time has worked out with Braden Lenius. Oh, get out of here! (laughs) Interesting. Was the exact same type of guy right when he was coming out? Because at Washington, Braden Lenius was uh, a skinny receiver and then he went down to New Mexico or whatever it was and he got really thick and he was like an H-back tight end and then obviously he got to the riders they wanted to make him a receiver he cut weight while he was training uh, with Sebastian Howard and he played well enough for the riders to get the NFL look went to the Falcons had a shot came back now he's with the riders and he's a receiver I see that as being the exact same thing we're looking at with Sebastian Howard because I could be proven wrong the next couple of days, but I don't think that he's like a natural blocker. And I don't think that's a slight because I don't think he needs to be a natural blocker. If he can catch everything, can you imagine that that catch radius over the middle of a CFL field with him as the inside slot back? Yeah. Well, he's like six, so much five. Damage okay, six, six, four, seven, eight. So six, five. 
Yeah. Put it. How how's his wingspan? Like, is his wingspan match the body he, size? Or is, yeah. 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 He like he, well. he is a he's a monster. Like Rice and John, they got signed after. Yeah, six know, seven guys. Yeah, like he's kind of in that vein where he. I would say that Sebastian Howard's kind of like between Rice and John and Braden Lenius as it stands right now. Like just super 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 tall long but like strong and good on his feet i think he's like his <laughs> this is going to be an interesting dk metcalf discussion though when i think we see his three cones and shuttles and things um get boiled down because the movement skills in the small windows are a little awkward but i think that could be refined and i think with that frame once it is refined he's going to be better off especially if he's getting to know somebody like lenius who's obviously being able to to take his size and figure out how to move more efficiently. So, um, yeah, I look forward to to seeing how he's going to look once the pads go on. And I also think what's going to be really fun for for me to see in person is going to be um, the idea that like he's going to be asked on those cards that I was talking about earlier, where they hold them up and they just say, "Hey, you know, mm. here's where um, you know here's where you're on this play." I think he's going to be all over the place. Like, I think they're going to throw him some reps at X. I think they're going to make him like the, the R for a while. Then they're going to make him a fullback. Then they're going to put him at this wide side wide receiver. Like I, I genuinely think the coaches are just going to use these next three days to just tinker and see where he fits in and what he looks like in different spots. I'm, I'm interested. You're saying like, he doesn't seem like a natural blocker, but to me, if you're playing R, you're not asked all the time to come and set into the pass pro. Like at most, maybe he'll be slicing across and taking out a backside end or something like that. Right. Like to me, I, your size alone, he's strong enough from the invitation. We saw him bench a good number, uh, like with super long arms too. Right. Yeah. Like like you can, you can easily come across slice and maybe take out or just freeze a defensive end for a little bit. And I also like when I say that he's not a natural blocker, to me, what I'm really saying is that like he doesn't have from what I have seen so far, whether it's in person through the regional, now through the national, the testing stuff, a little bit of film I've seen. I don't think that he is naturally like, you know, that that Montreal or Laval style tight end fullback H-back guy who's going to get his hands on you and drive you 20 yards the other direction down the field. He's not Nico. Yeah, like he doesn't have that mentality. But again, that's not a slight. That's me saying like, I don't care if you have that mentality. You're 6'5", and you have a great frame, and you have good hands. I don't need you to be the biggest bully on the football field. And I don't think he's going to be. And that's why I think I see his future as like a really talented receiver making great catches between the numbers. Uh, Because I think that he could be really, really productive. And, you know, there's even... This is the fun for guys like us, right? People like us is that we we see the way that rosters are being constructed and you start to have your mind kind of wander of like, oh, what could that look like? What's to say that Saskatchewan like doesn't need another big body receiver? What's to say that Calgary doesn't want to get in in the business of perhaps replacing Richie Sindani if he doesn't come back after a USFL stint or whatever? Like it's I could see Luther, Sebastian, Howard. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if you put Hackenavano on the same group. On the same field as Sebastian Howard, and they're lining up as like the the two and the three to the field. That's going to look really freaking cool. 
It's a <laughs> lot of height, a lot of coverage there. Just throw him up jump balls in the end zone. Just oh, max man. out Mare's, uh, what is it? Oh, I was going to say max out Mare's arm strength, but we know that the target charts are just going to be like. Yeah. yeah. I, also, <laughs> can we talk about how, I don't know how Jake Mare found my tweet that was kind of like semi-subtweeting him. when about I, I his targets being within like 0.5 yards from the line no, of scrimmage? So, <laughs> like. When Mayer was the quarterback for Calgary last year, 25% of their attempts were behind the line of scrimmage. Like a quarter of his throw attempts did not cross the original line of scrimmage. And I tweeted that out and I didn't tag him or anything. And then he quote tweeted me and he was like, this is on Tommy Stevens, yeah, which, was a great, <laughs> which was a great joke. But I was also like, how, how did you find like, this? Is he searching his own name? Because I didn't even say his name. Someone probably send it to him. Someone probably send it to him. I guess. But, I mean, my tweets aren't that important. Stop sending them to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> These are just the twisted thoughts inside my head. They're not for you to share with your people, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> oh. Connor, are you going to talk about your Ottawa GGs? I mean, I... No. I know you... You don't want to talk about Daniel Oladejo? Yeah, so the Oladejo yeah, bench number caught me out of nowhere. 20 reps on the bench. I was shocked. I was shocked as well. That you know what that honestly felt like to me? Tunde. Yeah. Like, I remember when when Tunde stepped up and we all knew he was gonna run well, and then he the benched, most like, frustrating combine ever. <laughs> Tunde like, He benched like 15 or something like that. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like this feels like kind of a, a trend of like receivers DBs from Ottawa schools who run really well and are just shredded. And then you're like, oh, and they're strong. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Wasn't Nate um, Bahar put up like 26, 28? Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> just ridiculous when you see those guys come out and do that, right? But yeah, I mean, Ottawa had, a, a I thought, a pretty good day. It's like between Oladijo and then being able to have like James, I think, carried himself pretty well today. And then... Like outside of that, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like who had the best day, even like as an OUA school. I was like, I wasn't super impressed by Queens between the two linemen, like Evan Florin and Richard Burton, and then Theo Grant coming from the the regional Western. Yeah. I think Keon Edwards probably offset whatever good was done um, by Philip Grahovic. Yeah. Panabaker, do we do we chalk up the four reps to him just having like ungodly long arms? I don't honestly. It's such a bad year to be Robert Panabaker when you're in this defensive back group. Like, yeah. he might not get drafted just because he fell in this year. Yeah. Which I still think he'll be in a camp and everything. Like, it's not the end of the world if you don't get drafted. It's just, like, it's a really, really competitive DB group, as we've talked about. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's Western, I don't think overall had a great day. Uh, Mac only had a fullback invited, so I can't talk any shit. Um, <laughs> so I think honestly, Ottawa might have been one of the biggest winners of the day in in the OUA. Yeah, I thought the um, like the the Windsor DB caught me off guard a little bit too. Like he had a really surprising day. Yeah, Brent McDougal like came in at six two, put up ten reps, ran a four six. Like yeah, jumped pretty well, ran pretty well. I the only reason I wasn't surprised by that was that I had to write an article last week for CFL.ca that was um, you know players to look for when in the testing stuff and I went back and looked at the 2022 East West Bowl numbers mm -hmm. and he tested well there as well so I kind of that 
He's a that gave me, Yeah, that gave me a little bit of a sense. And I also remember watching East West from the sideline at Mac last year and just seeing the defensive backfields on both sides being pretty damn good, but especially the West, like when Jake Taylor was out there and then McDougal was around. And um, so I, I kind of expected them to, to test well, but again, the question is like, okay, so we've got Ringland, Beggy, Ogo, uh, Jacob Taylor, Jake Kelly. It's like, so where does McDougal fall? And like, cause I would say McDougal's ahead of Panabaker based on just testing numbers from today. But it's like, yeah. okay, so now Panabaker's like the sixth defensive back. And we've already said that there's usually about 11 defensive backs drafted overall. So it's like, well, who else is going to slot it? You, you know what I mean? Like the numbers crunch starts happening mm-hmm. and you start thinking, okay, where could McDougal go? And obviously this is more like mock draft stuff for April, but. Um, oh, mock draft yeah. Monday's next week, Connor, for us. <laughs> don't don't let Marshall phase you with this April <laughs> stuff. We're going, We're going right away. I'm just trying to make it to next Monday, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's he he is bigger than I expected in person. I think is the biggest thing that I can say about McDougal mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, 26 tackles. I think he like or 29 tackles. Sorry, and majority of them are solos. Like 24 solos this last year. So I think he had a game where he had like 10 or 11 or something too, if I'm remembering correctly from our players of the week. He uh he feels to me like somebody that would get a little bit thicker and play like specials or like as a third string will. Cause he's got the frame to put on a little bit. I don't know whether or not he's capable. Well, you think like he gets like two eighteen, like ten pounds? Everything. Yeah, like I just have a hard time imagining that frame being rangy enough at free safety. Like a team might just say, let's just bring you down to will and you can grind your way on special teams and make a name for yourself and then, you know, we'll go from there kind of thing. Like, I think, especially in this draft, like Jake Kelly, I think teams are going to look at him despite him having corner experience at Bishops. I think he's going to be a free. Um, and it's when you start realizing, okay, Baggy Ogo again, and then like Jacob Taylor being back there kind of as like a Loeffler body type. And then, and you start realizing how many frees there are, like maybe McDougal's best bet in the next couple of days when they put the pads on is to take some linebacker reps. And I don't know whether he has anybody advising him, but if I was if I was his agent or if I was his coach, I would say to him, you should try to take some of these at weak side linebacker and just see how it feels. I can get down with that. I, I feel like he I'm trying to just look at like the DBs and linebackers and say, like, okay, obviously we're gonna have the Ottawa trio with James, Max, and uh, Emmanuel just, like, running at linebacker. Hinsberger, to me, will play Mac. Uh, Ife, I think, will try to play Will. Same with Sean Losher. Uh, Matt Dean will play Will 100% this week. But I'm looking, like, who could be our Sam's? I know Jake Taylor's going to be one, like, the Sam. Does Jason States McLean? Does Brett McDougal try to take some reps there, maybe, even? like Yeah, yeah, I could see that, for sure. I... I also would like to see Ringland play Sam because oh. <laughs> that would be that would be wild. Yeah, but I'd, I'd like to see him get involved with that because, again, this week really is about putting players in strange positions and then just seeing how quickly they can pick things up. So I'd, I'd like to see him be involved with some of the Sam stuff because, like, when I first started covering the Tiger Cats on radio, uh, a guy named Eric Harris was playing Sam linebacker. 
And Eric Harris was just like stupid long and kind of skinny and could just like turn and run with anybody and recover. Like his whole thing was he would get beat, but he would just recover. He always recovered. He always knew. And he turned into an NFL free safety. And he's had a hell of a career being able to stay. He's Atlanta way. still? I know he was with Vegas for a bit. I think so. Yeah. I, he was Oakland to Vegas when the Raiders made the switch, I think. And then uh, I think he's still in Atlanta last I saw. But yeah, I, again, a Canadian, American, like whatever. I'm just saying body type wise, I would like to see Ringland get a, a little bit of that Sam look maybe backing up Jacob Taylor. Although I don't even know if it's backing up. I don't even know if there's going to be depth charts. Like, I don't know what this is. Just kind of jump in and take your reps where you can. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing though. Like we, at the regional combine there, the defensive backs were fighting each other for reps because there was like 20 DBs that were there and they were trying to get filmed so they could try and advance. There was literally a shoving match one time when a DB came out and stole the rep of another DB um, at the regional combine, which the guy who got shoved off the field was Tolu Ahmed, who ended up still advancing. Uh, <laughs> so somebody tried to steal his rep and he got bullied off the field. And then the guy that bullied him off of the field didn't advance and he did, which was great. See, uh, it's, it's all it's all mind games. Tolu yeah. knows that they don't want the dink. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you look like an ass. Sorry, I'll just Connor, step off. Okay, okay, Connor, sure, can, sure. Can you go through and post and just clip Wade saying they don't want the dink? <laughs> I will, yeah, yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> Draft analysis that you all come here for. They don't want the dick on their team. <laughs> <laughs> they want the guy who's not going to start fights in public settings. <clears throat> we'll just have to save that as like a, a sound drop on the, the roadcaster. <laughs> well, we can add that too. <laughs> all right i think uh Karin, do you have anyone else you want to ask about i i'm i'm good i'm i'm content not really i think like for the most part there's definitely some names that stood out and i think we talked about those but like other than that guys either like did what they were supposed to do or like under underperformed a little bit but i don't i don't know if anybody that i like had high expectations for i was really let down by like oh yeah. i you just Anthony Vandal on the on the bench. I guess reps. yeah, a little bit from from Sherbrooke six four. But again, is that like the long arms thing? Because I complain about that all the time. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. Like, I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's we could we could visually see the guys that like we could see where their grip was too on the bar. There was some dudes that were taking some like whack wide grips on the bench press today, and I was everybody just, trying to close grip it. Yeah, and I, but like Dwayne and I were talking about, it, we're like, man, I would rather be in tight and just be like pounding through the biggest muscle group on my, which is my chest. It's like you go out wide, you're just asking for your shoulders to get ripped off and you're putting more tension on your outside of your pecs and stuff. It's like, I don't know. There's some dudes that both have the long arm issue and it seemed like their strength and conditioning coordinators just kind of did them dirty because they didn't show them like how to try and maximize your potential in these tests. But that's just, that's just me watching and remembering how I was coached and watched people be coached at Mac to prepare for these kind of things. Uh, I guess we kind of have to do like a formal apology now, Connor to Bishops, since Jake Kelly had such a good day testing. Absolutely hammered the combine. Yeah. yeah and we... I've, been, I've been hanging out at every meal here in Edmonton with my guy, Sharif. I've been hanging out with, uh, with BU's head coach out here, having fun with him, getting to know him a little bit. So I will say dude. we we made the draft 100, draft 101, and I moved Sam Shabbat to 999 today. Ah, uh, yeah. See, but that was because we can't, like, we now know it's not Bishop's strength conditioning staff. Right. And I would also say that I did ask 
Coach Nicholas about uh, Sam Shabbat and what happened at the regional combine. And he said, he's just not somebody who consistently goes into the gym and we didn't press him to go to that combine. He went on his own volition. He wanted to try and give it a go. And he basically got there and it was like pretty obvious that he unfortunately didn't fit in. But like, I obviously I haven't said this because I've talked to you guys, you know, not on a podcast, but like I have a lot of compassion, whether it's somebody like that who goes to a combine and just obviously doesn't fit in or if it's like Keon Edwards from Western, who is a very good football player that's been on a very good football team. And he goes today and it's like he does his first jump on the vert and they dropped the vertex down lower so that you could actually like hit more of them. And it was the only time I've ever seen that at a combine where they're like, oh, let us bring this back down to you because the first jump looked like that. And it's like it's easy for us to just like make fun of it. But the reality is like the shit that these guys are doing is not easy. Like the combine process is not, it's not easy and it's, it's awkward and stressful. And, um, you know, a lot of them are too young to realize it, but I just, I think it's, it's, uh, I got a lot of respect for the guys that go through the the big picture of the process. And let me just say this too. I wish, I wish we could be live streaming this for everybody. I know this is everybody's twisted in knots right now because the combine is not available uh, on the live stream. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, turn it into some big thing, but I just feel like since CFP is our, our thing, I should probably say something about it on here that um, I appreciate everybody's interest and wanting us to have the live stream and caring enough to complain because that's, that's how I view it is like, you know, (laughs) Connor and I are always trading quotes from books on this stuff, but it's like, anger is not actually being upset at somebody. Anger just guides you to tell you what you care about. Right. So like when I see people's tweets being like, you know, effing Randy and effing CFL and stupid and this and like the global program is dumb. And then why can't we have the live streams? I'm just like, you're not actually angry at this league that you love. You're angry because you just wish you could support this league that you love more. And I honestly, I apologize to people that we don't have the stream going. I wish I could be bringing that to you. Um, Unfortunately, the people that care really, really deeply enough to want to watch this while you're like at your desk or on your weekend or whatever, as like an annual tradition of like, hey, part of the off season of the CFL, there's just not enough of you. And that, like that sucks, but that's the reality as it's been explained to me from the very beginning, even when we were doing the live streams of the broadcast. And I don't think that the numbers should necessarily always be king. I think it does do a disservice to not have the live stream up because you always want to be able to give friends and family and teammates and girlfriends and extended family and all like you want to give them a chance to see them competing in a live environment. Um, But if the investment doesn't match the viewership, I'm not saying that this is never going to come back. I think that it will like probably next year, but there was an assessment that was done is my understanding. And the CFL looked at, you know, what do we invest in and what do we get return on investment for? And the people that love the combine like us, really freaking love the combine and i love that i think that's great we have this weird niche community that enjoys the absolute hell out of this because it helps us get through the stupid winter months in canada but at the same time i'm like there's just not enough of us weirdos that really love this for the cfl as a corporate entity trying to make money and make smart investments for them to put you know uh, production costs and all of that into it so that's my way of saying i'm sorry but thank you And please stop tweeting at us.
because uh, <laughs> we are trying to produce content for you. Just because we're not live streaming doesn't mean we're not trying to do stuff. Like Wade and Connor are doing great stuff here. I'm shooting videos every day. I'll be writing every day. I'm talking to Chris O'Leary, who's writing great stuff. Christina Costabel is writing great stuff. Like, um, you know, we're we're putting a bunch of a bunch of stuff out, and uh, it's just not live. And I understand the frustration with that, but like, we're we're not gonna allow you to ignore the combine just because there's not a live stream that you can watch for eight hours you know absolutely uh i think like the the big thing that i've been seeing is people like oh well if you want people to grow your league then you need to like actually put it out there for people to watch and we we hear that and like marshall said we wish we could be doing it but uh different times different years and maybe next year will be a completely different story so patience is always a great way to go and we'll see what happens yeah. in the future yeah and i i think like i don't want people to misconstrue this as me being like hey this doesn't matter or you know hey a corporate decision it makes it okay like i'm i'm not happy about it like i i want people to be able to have the stream and i i don't think that we should not be having the live stream and i know that it's bothered a lot of people but i also know that in cfl off seasons if you take a step back from like living in the exact moment of whatever you're angry about. And you look at trends of CFL discourse in off seasons. We tend to like, just kind of find things to be angry about a lot of the time. And it's like, realistically, yeah, the combine doesn't have a live stream, but at the end of this week, the sun is going to come up on Monday morning next week. And we're still going to have lots of great things to talk about. We're still going to have lots of footage. We're still going to have a CFL draft show on TSN. We're still going to have analysis pieces that Dwayne and I are going to be shooting here for the CFL and TSN. They'll run on SportsCenter or they'll run on digital or like there's, there's going to be all sorts of stuff. So I wish that we had the stream. I know a lot of people out there are frustrated that we don't have the stream. You know, I joke about stop tweeting at us because I, I know that's only going to make people tweet more at me because I know how Twitter works, but I just, I want you to know that like, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's it's one year that things have been changed a little bit in terms of the setup. Um, and I think, it, if anything, it just makes me want to tell all the people who are angry we don't have a live stream, okay, then go e directly email 100 of your friends and tell them the next time that we have a live stream of the Combine. Because then the numbers can't be ignored. If all of you all tell 100 people and an extra 100 people for every person who likes this starts watching it and we get a huge numbers bump, then we'll always have the combine and it'll grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. But if we don't have the numbers that support it growing, they're running a business. They're not always going to just throw money at things just because that's the way they've been done. Connor, you got anything? Not after that. That was a great way to end it. I think, I mean, <laughs> no, right. hard to follow, but like, I agree. And it's, it's, it's not like you can't still get content. You just don't, necessarily just not live. To watch. exactly yeah i mean which honestly like our job is also to cut the fat for you so i know that you guys are all weird and you like sitting there watching eight straight hours where there's a whole lot of nothing going on but like we're trying to give you a succinct to the point entertaining you know podcast or video or article we're trying to actually save you a little bit from watching a whole lot of nothing which is like as much as i love combines there's a whole lot of nothing today I sat on a bench for three hours and all I saw was vert and bench. It took forever to get through vert and bench. And it's like, that's not necessarily required viewing 
and I think, uh, yeah, our, our, anyways, I could talk about this forever because I love sports business and the broadcast dynamics and all the rest. But I just want people to know that we do care. It's not that the league doesn't care. It's not that people working around the league don't care. Um, it just, it, it was a change in opinion this year from some people who made some decisions. That's all it is. And we'll move forward and we'll give you lots of great stuff to look at regardless. Just like the upcoming mock draft from Con and I. Oh, what a tease. <laughs> uh Thank you, though, Marsh, for uh, jumping on with us. As always, at Connor R. O'Neill, at TSN Marsh, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective. If you want to get 15% off all of the worldwide leader in Whistletech's products and merchandise, head over to fox40shop.com, enter the code CFP15, and get ready for the summer football leagues. Uh, That's all for us for tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the combine as you guys can watch content everywhere. Uh, We'll be back to break down some of the on-field stuff after we get a chance to look at the film coverage.